0: To Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Oh, David. I'm Charlie going to be teaching from a particular scripture that you know so well. But I want to share some insights as the Lord revealed them to me. In relation to our priesthood. as believers, praise the Lord, relation to the priesthood of believers.
1: So, uh, let's look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, uh, let me read from verse 10. Actually, basically it's from verse 10 to verse 18. Uh, You need to read this. So, we go. And he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Amen. For we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the darkness, rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand. I would like you to mark the word stand there in your Bible. In verse number 13. The verse 14 says, Stand therefore, you need to also mark the word stand. Having your loins get about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench the fiery dust of the wicked, and take the high amount of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. Okay. I want us to consider this passage. In relation to part of what we've been treating before, and I'm, I'm thinking also God leading us will be able to do up to three sections on this particular passage. And then we're going to have the time to examine all of the armor that God is speaking about here, how you can use them, and how they relate to your work in the Lord and in the Spirit to be able to uh, kind of fulfill that word that keeps saying, you stand. Amen? You know, when it says stand. Is an instruction, is a commandment to you as a believer. Is that okay? It simply shows that there are some, some things that will make you not to stand, as the case may be. So we need to understand some of those things, perhaps, and to see whether this warfare is actually coming from outside of us or is within us. Hallelujah. It's very important to understand that. Is this warfare coming from outside of us? or is within us. You see? And it's very important. Now, if you look at the world wrestle, for instance, you don't wrestle with somebody who is far away. Any wrestling content is, is with immediate contact. You have to be in contact with the person you are wrestling with. Am I correct? Okay. That will also tell you that the concept is not that which is far away. It has to be that which is close by. So we need to find out what is this wrestling all about? And then be able to apply those uh, armors that God has given unto
0: us. But to understand the world's stand, let's quickly turn to the book of Numbers chapter number 4. Numbers 4. Praise the Lord. Um, In the book of Numbers, I want
1: you to look at uh, verse 22 and verse 23. Numbers 4, 22 and verse 23. And the scripture says... Take also the sum of the sons of Gershon. When you say take, it means count. It's like a census thing. Is that okay? Okay. Take also the sons of Gershon throughout the houses of their fathers by their families. And then from 30 years old and upward until 50 years old shall thou number them. All that enter into perform the service to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, first of all, understand this. Um, as it were, the Levitical tribe, we have three major
0: divisions there. We have Geshen, we have Kohat, and we have Merari. Now,
1: these three are compartments, <laughs> you i use the word division as it were. They have specific functions. Is that okay? So even though you are a Levite, the tribe you belong to determine what you do in the tabernacle. Is that okay? So for instance, gershon was the firstborn of Levi and he was in charge of the ark. So anytime the tabernacle is moving, it is the Geshonites alone that were qualified to carry the ark. Are you listening? Okay. And, and I'll also tell you precisely. Anyway, let me just leave that. But understand what happened. Remember, when the ark was to be moved and it was done in, on the axe or so donkey or whatever the case may be by David and his people, and Uzziah touched it. Remember that? Good. Why? Because the right people to carry the ark were supposed to be the Gershonite, which is the tribal delivered. Okay. In other words, if you truly understand ministry, there are certain aspects. This is only good for pastors. There are some things that you are not supposed to go into. You ought to understand your boundaries as far as ministry is concerned. There's a sphere of operation that God has given to each and every one of us to, to function in. Okay, now, number two. The second son there was Kohat. Uh, he was in charge of the vessels and the curtains of the tabernacle. In other words, any time the tabernacle is going to be moved, is that okay? These are the people that take care of the vessels. All those vessels in the holy place. And then whatever things that were supposed to be used. The curtains which are supposed to be in the hall, like the one I was explaining to you where all these angels are designed. It was the Kohatites that were pulling down those curtains. Is that all right? But the third son was Merari. A Merari was in charge of the cults of the tabernacle and the cults that is the, the balls and all of those tools, the hammers, whatever they will use to pin the tent anywhere they get to. Now, get this right. Those people pull it down, these people where they want to carry them. Is that okay? The Merari group. Okay. So anytime they are pushing the tent, they come in and pinch the tent and then these people just come in and hang on and then the, uh, what do you call this now? The Gershonite. We now bring in the ark and position the ark where it was supposed to be. So, every of these three sons of Levi, as the case may be, has specific functions that they were performing. Is that all right? Now, in Numbers 4, like we've just read, when you look at that 22 to 23, it tells, tells us something very precise. Now, I would like you to look at that. It went on about the same We who are talking about the age group at which people can go into ministry. Is that Okay. Hey, are you there with me? Now, so from 30 years and above, now you can understand the reason why Jesus Christ could not start
0: ministry until he was 30 years old. Is that okay? Are you there? Okay. Jesus was
1: 30 years before he started ministry. Now you just begin to understand the reason why. This is a major reason why he can't move into ministry until he was 30 years old. Those to walk in the ministry, the Levitical tribe, they have to start from the age 30 and above. Some of them are called at about 25. But for the first five years before the 30 years, they don't minister. They understudy the ministry. But ministry proper comes up when they are 30 years old. Are you following this? All right. Okay, now, so that was what happened. And that's why Jesus uh, had to wait for 30 years because it's like walking along that line or the pattern as the case may be. But when he was 30, he has to move into ministry. But there is something I want you to understand there. If you go down again a little bit, you're going to see the word there in verse 23. You see, from 30 years old and upward, you're going to mark that in your Bible. Until 50 years old, shall that number them. And all that enter into perform the service, underline that in your Bible, perform the service to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. Amen. That word to perform the service. It's a Hebrew word which means it's like a mass, an army or servant, an assembly, fight, perform,
0: master, wait upon, war. Hallelujah. Amen. War.
1: I want you to know that. Now, if you look at Numbers, that's in Numbers chapter 4. If you look at verse 3, and it speaks about the tribe of the Kohathites. And if you look at verse 3 of Numbers chapter 4, you're going to see the same thing. He used the word host. The host of the people, of the Kohathites. And that also means the same thing as warfare. It means warfare. Then when you move down to verse 35 of the same book of Numbers, Numbers 35, what you're going to see there is service. So understand, Verse twenty-five or twenty-three, you are going to see the word perform, which has to do with describing the Gershonites. Then verse three, talking about the Kohathite, you are going to see host, H-O-S-T, It's the same word. Then when you get to verse thirty-five, what you see there is service, and it's the same word. For the Hebrew word is T-S-A-B-A. That's just a simple Hebrew word. Amen. And it means warfare. So get this right. So what he's saying is, those who are engaged in the warfare are those from 30 years and above. So you begin to understand that warfare in this sense, or like I'm trying to make you
0: understand, the service in the tabernacle is a warfare. Did you get that? Hallelujah. If you check
1: out a translation, i are going to see it very properly written. In fact, it is actually written,
0: those who war the warfare. It's 30 years and above, up to 50. So the service of the tabernacle
1: is a warfare. And we need to understand why it's a warfare. Praise the living God. Let's move now just a little bit. But like we read before from Ephesians, I say you should mark out one word which has to do with the word stand. Okay, now let's give a simple other illustration of the word stand. Can we turn to the book of First Kings then? What does it mean to stand? Because he said that you may be able to stand.
0: What does it mean to stand? Now get down to the book of First Kings, chapter seventeen. Hallelujah. In First Kings seventeen. I'm looking at verse 1. This has to do with Elijah the Tishbite.
1: Scripture says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto him, As the Lord God of Israel, liveth, it, before whom I do what? I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word before whom I stand. I want you to understand that. Now, don't you forget what Paul is saying. You need to have all of these things to fight and to stand. Now, here, basically, you find Elijah going to get into contest with
0: the prophet of Baal. He made this proclamation that he is standing before the Lord. Is that okay? So, what does
1: it mean to stand before whom I stand? He's drawing his strength and authority from a position. Is that okay? In other words, I can say what I'm saying now and I'm going to do what I'm going to do now because I stand in a position in relation to God Himself. Okay. You will just quickly pick that. Then let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 19. That's
0: also very important to us. 1 Samuel 19. And we'll look at verse 20. Praise God. Verse 20 says, And Saul sent messengers to take David.
1: And when they saw the company of the prophet prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also did what? prophesy." Now understand this. The intention of those who went to look for David was to get him arrested and bring him to Saul. Is that okay? By implication, they truly intend to kill him. All right. So basically, it's like there's a warfare going on there right now. Okay. But here we find that the Bible says, as long as Samuel was standing, as appointed over them. The standing is not because he was standing in one particular place. What it means is, As long as Samuel remained a minister of the Lord, and he be the head over the sons of the prophets, it was not possible for the messengers of Saul to get hold of David. Because David was not under the covering of, in quote, the standing of Samuel. Did you get that? Good. So, Samuel was standing means He was occupying an office in relation to the ministry. Look, I'm going to make you see that just a little bit. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Probably we'll come back here. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, and then I'll show you what it means to stand from there. So that you can easily grasp what I'm saying in relation to Samuel and in relation to Elijah. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 10, let's look at verse 8. The Bible says at that time, the Lord separated a tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And who are supposed to be this particular
0: tribe here? The Gershonites. Remember that? Amen? Good. To bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to do what?
1: Stand before the Lord. To do what? To minister unto him and to bless in his name until this day. Did you get that? God separated the tribe of Levi. Hallelujah. To bear the ark of the covenant and to stand before the Lord. To minister unto him. So when you say somebody is standing, that means the man is occupying the position of ministry in relation to the Lord. And basically what happens is you first have to
0: minister to the Lord before you minister to the people. Hallelujah. So now, in ministering to the Lord,
1: which, don't you forget, bearing the ark of the covenant, like we read before, and the word said, performing that duty
0: in Numbers chapter 4, verse 23, means they are warring the warfare. Are you there with me?
1: So now, for the tribe of Levi to stand, To minister before
0: the Lord, it simply means they are engaged in a warfare. Are you there? All right. So now,
1: that simply means, stand the means to be in service to the Lord, ministering before him as appointed of him in your own place. Now, I would like you to go back a little bit from the scripture we have read. When the Bible says, Elijah was speaking in 1 Kings now chapter 17, as long as I stand before the Lord. Remember that? So what was he trying to say? As long as I still remain a minister of the Lord, there shall be no rain. Is it clear to us? Okay. Now Saul, I mean Samuel also, was there and said as long as he was a minister. In fact if you check chapter 17 I'm sure. You're going to find another good scripture about that in the last verse. The Bible says as long as Samuel was standing. The Philistines could not come into the territory of Israel. All his days. I'm sure I spoke about that a few weeks ago. To make you understand that there are some ministries and some callings that you can find yourself under. And then you have protection. Is that okay? Alright. And that's exactly what we're looking at here again. But here we're looking at those now involved in this particular action. And their action is directly connected to service. Now what would happen? Samuel, for instance, was supposed to be the one, and he actually did. Remember, when the ark came to the, to the, to the camp of the children of Israel, there was a shout, God have arrived. Is that okay? And remember that Samuel himself also had to offer The sacrifices on behalf of the children of Israel at the time of the warfare. Now get the picture right. Who is actually doing the war? It's Samuel. Because without him standing before the ark and ministering, the war cannot succeed. Those on the front can't even succeed. Is that okay? So, the service to the Lord
0: is a warfare. Now, don't you forget, every one of us is a priest in context. Remember that?
1: We are a royal priesthood. Am I right? Okay, so as we progress, you are going to understand why Paul was writing what he was writing. And that's why it's important for us to come to the place of really studying all of those armors that Paul was talking about. So that you can see where you are supposed to be properly fitted into and then you'll be able to stand as you apply and use those armors for yourself, not for someone else. Because if you are wearing the armor, it is you that is supposed to use it and they are meant to, you understand? To defend yourself and to stand and to stand and to stand even after you're fighting. You don't fight and fall. You fight and stand. In other words, there is going to be an overcoming by reason of the armor that you are putting on. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? But it's important that we understand this concept first because we are a royal priesthood. That's have to take you back to where it's coming from. And I believe that Paul has it in mind when we're writing Ephesians chapter number 6. I just believe that. Praise the living God. Okay, so there is a standing after you have finished fighting. And it's very, very crucial you understand that that what saying. And so, you see, Elijah was standing, he got the victory. And as long as Simon was standing, all those who were around him, and even David, got the victory over the wickedness and the intention and the threatenings of King Saul. Are we all together? Very important so that you understand. When we begin to treat the armors, you will see something very profound. Because I'm going to make you see. For instance, let me just mention this. You talk about the helmet of salvation. What does helmet do? Helmet is meant to protect your forehead against the stones or the spears or whatever that the enemy might throw at you. What basically is in your forehead? is your thoughts, your mind. Are you still there? So your helmet of salvation, basically, you're going to see that when we start treating it, it's meant to protect your mind from wrong imaginations.
0: It's not for anybody else. It's for you. Did you get that? When you put on the helmet, wrong
1: thought, wrong imagination, wrong belief system, will not be there. That's why I call it the helmet of salvation. Your salvation is guaranteed. You know I mean? You can continue to stand at the child of God when you put on your helmet. And unfortunately, so many Christians have no helmet right now. Because their thought runs haywire. In fact, all their imagination is in some something else. Most of them feel like because of the wrong doctrines that are going on in the church, they can't be able to stand for themselves. Why? Because they don't truly have their helmet
0: on. Their helmet is down. Praise the Lord. We're going to be treating all of that. Talk of the belt of truth. Huh? And I will explain, I have
1: mentioned that to you some time ago. Apostle Paul had a belt. Hmm? And I made it to see because if your father fought in the Roman army, then your even grandchildren are free from paying taxes to Caesar. That is why Paul, when he was in prison, he was able to make this statement. I'm from Sicily. I'm a Roman citizen. He was a Roman citizen, but his grandfather fought in the Roman war. <laughs> and that alone set him free. And the people say, "Hey, are you a citizen of this country?" And one of the men said me, "It took me great price to buy the citizenship, but well, you are a free citizen, so I can't touch you anymore." And that's what the belt of truth will set you free. He said, "You understand that? Say the truth will set you free. If the son of man set you from be free indeed." And one father to say, "The
0: truth you know shall set you free." That's your belt. All these are the animals you need. But they are all for yourself. Hallelujah. Are we there? Okay, let's get down to Deuteronomy chapter 10.
1: Okay, so, at that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to break, to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his
0: name unto this day. Okay, back again to Ephesians. Back again to Ephesians. Let's see. Are we there? So 11 again. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against
1: the wise of the devil. So you see the word standing now coming out again. We already know what stand means. To stand is to minister, to stay in the position and the office that the Lord has called you into. And like I'm saying, we are all priests. Because we are a royal priesthood. And don't you forget this? That's something that people get me wrong. While we are all priests, there are rankings within the priesthood. Am I right? Because even though we have the liver doing all of this work, we also have the Aaronic, which has to do with the high priest. Hmm? Good. So let's not forget that there are rankings within the priesthood. But when the Bible talks talking about a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that is a general word for every believer. It's just like Israel was supposed to be a holy nation in relation to other nations. In fact, they were a prophetic community to other nations, just like they were a priesthood community to other nations. Even so, the church is a priest to the rest of the world. But within the church, there are rankings. Because all are no prophets. All are not apostles. All are not miracle workers. There are diversity of operations. Is that Okay. And that there are specific ranking which has to do with those who are specifically called to do specific things for the entire body of Christ. Let's understand that. Praise the Lord. Okay. So now Ephesians again we say. Now verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I'm going to take time as we progress to explain this. But
0: don't you forget... How many of you remember our study on the prince of this world? Can you still remember that? The princes of this world.
1: Who are the princes of this world that they didn't know about the crucified a Lord of glory? The Jewish people, the
0: synagogue rulers. Can you remember that? It has nothing what to do with the devil. So help me, Lord. When we talk
1: about now, watch this. It's a difficult thing sometimes to bring people out of what they have ever believed. It's difficult. Well, look at this. If you take time to study this, it talks about the rulers of the darkness of this world. What does darkness really stands for? It stands for ignorance. Darkness is not talking about what is done in secret places somewhere along that line. Because I've always mentioned this to people. If you think that is the truth, then God was speaking to Cyrus and he said, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness. Why will God take the enemy's property, if you will, if that is what you think? Treasures of darkness, people now think it has to do with the powers of God and all that kind of stuff. Is that what you think God wants to take from the people and give to Cyrus to build his temple?
0: But treasures of darkness, don't you forget, when you talk about treasures, you're talking about resources. Where the man's treasure
1: is, there his heart shall be also. Is that Okay. So treasures of darkness means those who are not in the kingdom, as it were, they have resources. God is saying, "Hey Cyrus, I'm going to pull the resources of the world into your hand to build my temple and to be my house." It's the same thing that happened when the children of Israel were living in Egypt. The treasures of darkness were given unto them in form of silver and gold. What was the purpose? To build a tabernacle called the wilderness. Are you getting the picture? All right. Now I don't want to. We this tonight, maybe as time goes on, we're going to see what it means. Talking about rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wickedness in high places is not only just talking about demons as you can think about it, but governmental authority that will not allow God's mind and kingdom principles to be operated in places. In the nations of the world. Most of the economy problems we are having today are
0: directly connected to those in spiritual wickedness in high places, those in government. Praise the Lord. Let's understand. You see, we have over, I don't know if it's
1: spiritualization, I'll put it now. But we have over-spiritualized the world of taking the word of God out of context and applying it so much in the negative dimension that we don't even see how it affects us and how we are supposed to live
0: it out. Hallelujah. Okay, now verse 13 says, we have taken to you the whole armor of God, not some. If you
1: want to take, take all of them because they all work together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now can you picture a situation We're going to do more of this But can you picture a situation Where a military man Have finished dressing Put on the boot And there's no belt Now you see The belt Most times Apart from putting the Trouser in shape And putting it together For every other thing Some of other things Are you know The belt Carries some bullets Carries so many things Water cans And so on So that's why I say Hold Now Some of us We have trousers But we don't have belts
0: we are well-dressed as Christians because we believe. But we don't have what it takes to ward the warfare. The better truth are not there. Some of us don't even have boots. Huh?
1: Hallelujah. It is a boot I use to bruise the head of Satan. As the case may be. You, you, we need to have all of this configuration properly explained so that we can know where we belong. Amen. Glory to God. So you take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to do what? To stand.
0: Now I like the word evil day. It's not talking about the devil now. Issues of life. Did you get that? It talks about the wires of the devil, the tricks of the devil. What does the devil use
1: more in, in, in attacking you or getting you? He accuses you makes you to condemn yourself and allows you to live in ignorance of the very truth of God's word. The power of the devil is ignorance. That's why I call it the wiles and the tricks of the devil. Is that okay? But here again he's saying, you need the old armor to be able to stand where? In the evil day. This is not talking about enemies coming from anywhere. But we're talking about situations that we are prevailing. That without the whole of this armor, you won't be able to stand. In other words, you could lose your faith. <laughs> you could disbelieve de- God. Second sense, it can happen in your life and you want to say, man, I don't think I have to be a Christian anymore. I don't remember when I was in Lagos, somebody was sharing with me. Very powerful
0: sister in the ministry. Because of what was done to her. She became a Muslim. And instead I went to her. I said man leave those people alone. I'm comfortable here. Because of her experience. In the church where she fellowship. She couldn't stand on the evil day. Because that.
1: That oppression that came to her. Was an evil oppression. Fine agreed. Believed. But that was not enough. Now I'm not blaming her. But that was not enough for her to change. Her worship. If she truly understood who she was worshipping. So in that case, she never had a bet of truth. And then her helmet of salvation was not standing strong. It's like they removed it. Her imagination ran why? Because of somebody. She decided never to be a Christian. Became Muslim straight away. And a lot of people change their religion today. Because of certain activities and happenings within the church. Sometimes you blame them. Some other time, no, you don't blame them. But the point is because they don't have the whole armor of God. Because the Bible says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Whether depth or height. Can you imagine those things? It means evil days will come. Through the manifestation of those depths of height, of tribulation, whatever you want to name it. Those are evil days. Trials that comes your way as a believer. Stands for the evil days. But you need all of the whole armor of God to be able to stand.
0: If one of them is out of your life, it will affect the whole of your system. Praise the Lord. Crazy thoughts, imaginations, obsessions, oppressions. Think about that.
1: All these things comes to attack you. But you need the whole armor for defense. The breastplate of righteousness. Like in the Roman soldier. You don't know, understand that? When they shoot the arrow
0: down, it hits. Bulletproof. That's a blessed place of righteousness. You need it. This have to do with things people will be throwing at you in form of suggestions and ideas. You protect your heart.
1: The breastplate protects your heart. Not your head, Now your heart. Uh, you understand that? Because from the abundance of the heart the man speaketh. So if wrong things are planted, how many of you understand the soil, the parable of the sower has to do with the hearts? Did you get that? So the breastplate of righteousness will shield your heart from those things coming in. Anyway, we deal with all of that. It's like somebody's enjoying this, huh? Eh? Hallelujah. Alright. So he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to. We stand in the evil day and having done all to do all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins get about with all truth eh? and having a what? The breastplate of righteousness and your feet show with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of they that preach the gospel of good tide. Remember that? We're going to check that out much much later. Above all, taking the shield of faith, where we shall be able to quench all the fiery doubts of the wicked. Shield of faith. You know what the shield means? Huh? You see these rioting soldiers, policemen. You see, they have the baton with one hand and they have a shield in the front
0: to protect. So if you throw stones at it, that's the shield of faith. Praise the Lord. You're gonna need that. Okay. So, wow. And then take on what? The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit,
1: which is what? The word of God. So you see that? Now, Some of you don't have sword.
0: And I'm going to make you see how Jesus used the sword. If you be the son of God, don't mind these stones will become bread. It
1: is written. That is the sword coming out now. Now, if you don't know the word, it means your sword is down. Praise the living God. And some of you don't study your Bible. You don't study, you don't study the Bible. There's a problem. So when situation comes, nothing jumps out of your resources. But the more you read the Bible, the more you talk. Your mind is filled with the word. So that any situation that comes out, something comes out from within you, that is where you are applying the sword of the spirit. So when devil spoke to Jesus, if you be the son of God, Kaiser said then, it is written. Did you see it now? That was the application of the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Now, how many of you really have your sword? Anyway, we deal with all of that. But don't you forget, we are warring the warfare, being in ministry to the Lord, standing before him, and ministering to the rest of creation. Now, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication the spirit and watching where unto with all perseverance and supplication for what? For the saints. Not just for yourself now. Supplication for the saints. Intercession again. Amen.
0: Okay. So now, if you look at the whole of this picture, warring the warfare, you find that it's more of an eternal thing than that which is
1: external. How do I mean that? In the whole tribe of Israel. For instance. Before they went in to possess the land. Joshua was more or less like a general. Is that okay? He led the armies. To go fight. And defeat the Canaanites. And all of those people. And they shared the land for the people. You remember. The, the, even the kings of Israel. Remember. Every king was supposed to be going to war. Is that okay? All right. And remember, King David was supposed to be going to war. And all of them were supposed to be going to war. They lead the people in warfare. So that's an excellent thing. But one basic thing you need to understand is this. Every warfare that ever succeeded have been defeated through the worship. I will explain. Exodus 23, you're going to see a picture. God was saying, He said, I'm sending my angel before you. Is that okay? So just obey him. He'll bring you to the land, I'll promise you. He said, I'm going to send hornet before you to drive out the heat at the peris at the Jebusite. Remember that? I'm going to send the hornet to drive them out. In other words, they possess the land not because of their own strength, according to Psalm 44, but because God has driven them out before ever they get there. So your warfare is something that's concluded from the inside before ever you comes out. Now the warfare of the priesthood
0: in the tabernacle guaranteed Joshua succeeding on the other side. Is anybody following me tonight? Praise the Lord. So Joshua fought and conquered the enemies out there.
1: But the priesthood war is simply in a realm of eternal conflict of God's purpose for your life and your decision to remain steadfast in service to him. That's the greatest conflict that we are wrestling against. Suddenly happens to your life. The question is, do you still want to remain? Or think about it this way. God is giving you understanding. God is giving you revelation. If I may use the word. The deep mystery and secret of Christ. How many people do you think will want to believe what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Especially if it is not
0: generally acceptable, and common. How many people want to accept that?
1: Praise the living God. And because that is not accepted, you can become discouraged and even Now, let me explain. Apart from your eternal problems of you trying to stand because of what God is doing, what God has said to you, what you've heard, and yet you see contrary wind Contrary wind in the midst of the boat. Yet it was Jesus that said, let us cross over. Am I correct somebody? Jesus told the disciples, let's cross over. While they were crossing, storm came. And instead of him standing up, he was sleeping. That was an evil day
0: for these people.
1: Though they had the voice. And he was right there with them. I will never forsake you. It's like at that moment, they were almost doubting who Jesus was. And thank God for the boldness of Peter. It carries down on master that we, we die in this storm. You sleeping? Are you still there? Yeah. So what does that really mean? Sometimes too, you need to wake him up from your within. He is, if you're if he's sleeping, he's sleeping within you. Because he said, if you keep my commandment, I and the Father will come and make our outboard in you. So the Lord is on your inside. So the conflict is actually between the Christ that is within you and your kind of mind debating and arguing who should take
0: dominion over your life.
1: This is where you need the whole armor
0: of God. That is real warfare. Are you there? In Galatians 5 in a simple term the Bible says for the flesh lusted against the spirit
1: and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Did you find out there? The flesh is fighting against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh.
0: The flesh can be the kind of mind. But at the same time, the flesh can be the law. Hmm? Somebody said, David, you started again. Maybe you need to read Philippians 3. Or you read Galatians 3 as well. Remember Galatians 3? What has bewitched you? Have you begun in the
1: spirit and you're ending in the flesh? What was he saying? He was talking about the Judaizers who went to Galatians to make them see they need to observe the law.
0: So the flesh just speaks about the law. So it's not all the time you read the flesh and thinking about a kind of nature.
1: Are you following that? In Philippians 3, Paul was saying the same thing. Second size of the atrium. As touching the flesh. A Jew. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Look at the word. As touching the flesh. He wasn't talking about his kind of nature. He was talking about his fine, The Lord, observers of the Lord. And he being a Jewish man. As touching the flesh.
0: So sometimes when we say the flesh is not again the spirit. It can also stand for your old life.
1: Your old belief system, your old background, where you came from still opposing
0: the revelation of Christ to you today. So that was a big battle. Your tradition, your customs. Amen? Praise the living God. Now it's important you understand it.
1: You see, it's not cheap that you come to the Lord. If grace is not granted that you immediately forget your past. It's not cheap. It's not easy.
0: Your past can still be haunting you till tomorrow. Amen. And this is part
1: of what Paul was speaking about when I'm talking about the Lord of my mind warning against the Lord of, of the Spirit of Christ. In Romans chapter 7, the Lord of my mind actually was speaking about his understanding. He had been a Pharisee, there was so much reasoning. As compared to the revelation of the Christ. That was ministering to him. That was a lot of his mind. That was warring against the revelation of Christ. That is a rebuttal. Now you need all of the old armor of God. Truth has to be revealed. Shield has to be there. All of these things you need. To be able to withstand. An evil day can be a day. That the temptation becomes so strong in your
0: life. That you want to resign your faith. And say God. We will discuss some other time. Amen? Are you following what I'm talking about? So there is a warfare going on. And that is because we are priests. And we
1: first of all have to settle the eternal warfare. And then we can conquer that which is outside. If once you are standing, you are standing. Nothing can move you. And when you come to the place of overcoming these things I'm talking about, when your imagination is stable, when all your mind is settled that you know exactly who you are and what God is saying to you, there is nothing outside that can defile you. Hear what Jesus said. "Say there's nothing that comes from without that defiles him, but that which comes from within. From the abundance of the heart. Proceed what? Evil thought, adultery, stealing, whatever. Am I, am I talking to somebody? So the problem is more of an eternal issue than that which is external. The real battle is that of the eternal issue. That is why seven in the tabernacle was doing the warfare. So warring the warfare. Which is the same thing as the word perform. T-S-A-B-A. Right? In the Hebrew. Are you following what I'm talking about? So it's very crucial we come to understand this and we're going to be dealing with all of that but I just want to lay the foundation today so that you can really know where you stand to know that a trouble in life is not necessarily something from the outside it's actually from within. Hear what James have to say from where comes wars. Did he say so? He said they are all from within your own members. His ability to... Hey my goodness tell me this Let let me explain something to you. Listen. If you
0: want peace, you can create peace within you, and peace will manifest. Did you get what I'm talking about? A lady was speaking
1: about someone in Lagos, and he was speaking to someone else. I mean, kind of sitting out. He said, Listen, listen, I've come to experience that. If I want my marriage to work, and I believe that every marriage that walks rests on the woman. And one of them was saying, see, see, let me tell you something. The man is, I know, but I'm still telling you. That if you want your marriage to walk, it will walk. And woman is directly responsible. I'm a woman. I'm talking from my own experience.
0: What I'm trying to say is this. If you want peace to reign, you first have to make peace within you. And that will flow out. Because the war is also from where? From within. So the temple warfare is the greatest one. the Levite were involved in
1: to do the work of the ministry there, which is warring the warfare. It has to be settled in the temple. And here is the temple of God. Know ye know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did the Bible say so? Come on then, let the Levite move now. Let them do the work. Let them put the ark in place. Let them put all the vessels in place in the temple and peace will reign in the city. Did you get that? Because this is the temple. Now let me explain something. Do you know, if we have the time, we are going to Give you the pictures of the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was around the center and every other tribe was around it. How many of you know that? I mean, from there, right did the peace, the protection and everything to rest of the people. So you've been the temple of God. If peace is in your life, peace will flow out to all those around you. Amen. So we are looking at what can make you come to this place of receiving this peace and manifesting this peace and subduing anything that want to make sure the peace of God in your life does not manifest. This is what we are talking about, war in the warfare. And it's crucial we understand this because we can fall into a lot of deception and we'll be looking outside instead of looking within to be able to solve our problems. Anytime your eye is on the outside as if your trouble is everywhere... No, 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 no. Your trouble is not everywhere. Now, here this the scripture says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus will say, The prince of the world cometh, but you shall find
0: nothing in me. Why? On of inside it was completely settled.
1: Praise the living God. You shall receive the peace of pass all understanding. By the time we are through with this study, you shall be who God intends you to be. Your purposes in life you shall discover. And every oppression that is coming your way you shall subdue. Because you will be able to overcome and still stand to do what God intends you to do.